Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us on this, our third episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. I am Jared, and we have a lot to talk about. It's a great time to be a Bronco fan, so I hope you guys enjoy. The Orange Weekly Podcast is all about football and football only. What sets us aside from all these other reporting is that we do not discuss politics. No one here is a lawyer, just football fans. So you're not going to hear us telling you about what one of the coaches did with his mistress last summer, only this week's matchup, inside the minds of the players, coaches, and an in-depth look into what you should be expecting this coming week. This week, your Denver Broncos go to New Era Field in Buffalo, New York for our first road game of the year. The Bills are 1-1 one and, one and have only let up 21 total points to opposing offenses. Your Denver Broncos are 2-0 and and we're looking to keep that streak alive. Before we get on with the show, I just wanted to throw a quick shout out to Denver Broncos UK. These guys and their team are making sure that Broncos country is staying strong in all parts of the world and keeping Broncos country international. And they're doing great things, so please make sure you go check them out on Twitter and SoundCloud. So, without further ado, we shall start the show courtesy of The Mad Fanatic. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on. We definitely are having a great time talking about all of these Broncos, and what a game, huh? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I never expected that 42 points from the Broncos, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and you know, as a fan, it's just one of those things that not even we were expecting it to be that one-sided. And even the 17 points weren't really because of something that they did crazy. It was just a few mistakes on our part that we need to shore up, and for the most part, we held the entire game the whole time, so that was definitely nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, those 17 points, I mean, these, these are all professional athletes, right? Eventually, they're going to score. It's really hard to put up a, a shutout in the NFL. But, I mean, 42 points, that's that's hard to beat. So, really uh, well done by the Broncos. Yeah, it definitely puts a little bit more pressure and spotlight on us and moves us up in some of these so-called power rankings of late. So, that's kind of nice. Agreed. We'll go ahead and start off the show with our first segment called I Told You So. I Told You So. All right, Matt, what's your I told you so for last week against the Dallas Cowboys? Well, I don't have a whole lot to brag about from last week. I did not expect them to be blown out that badly. But I would like to mention that Jalen Smith and Sean Lee, they had about 20 tackles between the two of them. So, they, you know, they're, they're really showing up as the centerpiece for the Dallas defense. And, you know, I did bring them up saying that they're going to be very hard to defend or to rather block or play against and that they're going to be all over the field, which they were. So, unfortunately, they got beat up pretty badly, but, you know, two guys can't save a whole team. So, for me, my I told you so is Jalen Smith and Sean Lee being uh, really top players and uh, making uh, making some noise on that defense. Yeah, unfortunately for the Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Smith and Sean Lee were the only two people making noise on that defense. Very unfortunate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my I told you so is uh, how Joe Woods called our defense. You know, we went from that kind of semi-man zone defensive look against the Los Angeles Chargers to stacking the box, making sure that we stop Ezekiel Elliott real early and often and going press man coverage, which got us two interceptions, both interceptions, by the way, were thrown to their number one receiver in Des Bryant. Having two interceptions by two of our, our top corners against Des Bryant, who is, you know, obviously going to be a future Hall of Famer, an amazing receiver, was just amazing to see the way our defense stepped up. So my I told you so is how we played the defense and how well it worked. So that is our I told you so. Who would have guessed? 
The next segment is who would have guessed? So we're still talking about the same game, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Denver Broncos. So what did you not see coming, Matt? Who would have guessed what happened? Well, I think I'm not alone in this one because, you know, during this podcast, I was really pumping Zeke's tires, calling him a generational player. This guy's going to be awesome, really hard to defend, really hard to play against. And clearly I'm eating my words because he had nine carries for eight yards, which is... You know, it's it's pretty sad to see. And and also his attitude apparently during the game just completely transformed. Yeah. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was being all pouty and just immature and, and, you know, apparently just not a good teammate. And that's not something you want to see from a star running back such as Ezekiel. You know, I don't think he's had many times in his life since he was a kid where he, he lost that badly or we, he only ran for eight yards in a game. You know, I'm sure this guy's always been just a, a star wherever he played. So for him to... It run you know run for eight yards is is showing that a the Denver Broncos defense is they're legit you know as they have been for the past couple of years they're still maintaining their spot as a top defense and it's might be exposing Ezekiel Elliott for some of his weaknesses you know maybe other teams are watching this game and they they might have found something a, a way on how to stop him so that's that's my would have guessed I really would not have guessed that Zeke would have gone for eight yards that's for sure. Right now, the big part for Zeke, too, is to look forward to how he handles that. You know, big time. obviously, he had his little breakdown. He had a little bit of a hissy fit. So how is he going to come back from that? Is that going to make him a better leader? He's going to learn from his mistake? Or is he? Is this going to be the Zeke Elliott that we're going to see for the next few years, uh, however long he stays in the league? You know, is, is this going to be him? Or is this just going to be something that happened one game he learns from and then moves on from, you know? Yeah, it's going to be uh, something to watch. I mean, it's... I, I kind of mirror his personality to Odell Beckham, you know, sort of superstar drama, sort of persona, you know, somebody who just, they're in the limelight and they're they're loving it a little bit too much. So it'll be really interesting to see how the, he comes back from this. You're absolutely right. So my, what I would have not guessed was the run game success of the Denver Broncos. Obviously, last week I mentioned that we did run 36 run plays to our 28 run plays against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, but I was not expecting us to run as often and be as successful as we did. We are currently holding the number one run offense in the National Football League, which is unreal. And, and C.J. Anderson is a huge part of that. Obviously, having a great backup in Jamal Charles is a huge part of that. But our number one offense is kind of something to brag about. And that's definitely all on the on the tail of our brand new offensive line and cj anderson's play has just been playing lights out he had one run where he was just a bowling ball i swear he, he bounced off of five or six defenders before he finally got tackled out of bounds it was just really cool to see and really good to see that we actually have a run game and a pass game this year which makes us very dangerous so that is our who would have guessed next up matt we need to talk about our favorite discussion and topic brain games so the brain games is us talking about the coordinators and the head coaches, how they match up to each other and how they're going to play this chess game we like to call professional football. So we're going to start off with you, Matt. Uh, tell me who is the Bills defensive coordinator and uh, talk a little bit about Sean McDermott as the head coach. Yeah, so I'll start with Sean McDermott. Um, he came <clears throat> over from the uh, Carolina Panthers where as he was their defensive coordinator and he had a lot of success with them. You know, just one small statistic is, you know, last year they had, I think, 17 interceptions. The year before they had 24 interceptions, which led uh, the NFL second in the NFL, something like that. But regardless, he's always been 
top defensive unit as a coach he's he's put up some big numbers he's had some big players there too with luke keekley and josh norman the couple years he was there Um, so he's had a lot of talent but he's also put up a really strong system and so the bills brought him in to really replace the mess that rex ryan left that team in it was uh (laughs) you know much needed change i think mcdermott's been doing some pretty cool stuff you know ever since he walked in he's changed the the entire mentality of the team. He's really working to, to wean out the players that aren't fitting the culture and to bring in the new the new players that uh, are really going to help his defense and his offense grow. So, you know, this is the first year as a head coach. So far, he's 1-1. One one. Uh, he's won against the Jets, which is, you know, not much of an achievement. But, uh, right. you know, and he... He had a pretty pretty boring slow game against his old team, the Panthers. But week one and two in the NFL is always a bit a little bit messy. It's not going to be the kind of crisp football we like to watch. But regardless, he's got a really he's a really good leader. Uh, they have a new GM in there too. Apparently, they're meshing really well, and you know it's starting off well. Um, if we're going to talk about the defensive coordinator too, Leslie Frazier, I think that both McDermott and Frazier. They're working well together. I do believe McDermott is running that defense for the most part. Frazier might be, you know, calling the the plays. He might be doing a lot of more of the dirty work, whereas McDermott's doing the leadership work. Nevertheless, they're running their similar system. And, uh, you know, I, I'm fairly certain they've always ran a historically a similar system. So what they do on defense is they have a basic 43. It's a one-gap system for the D-line. So it's very simple and basic. And it's, I don't want to say it's hard to mess up, but it, it's something that's very easy on the players, which makes it very hard to play against because these top-of-the-line top of athletes are going to be really good in a very simple system. So, you know, they, they don't do a whole lot of exotic coverages or blitzes. They'll send one or two extra guys from time to time. I know McDermott and Frazier are good at finding the weakness in an offense. So, for example, against the Panthers, the, the tackles Matt Khalil, and you'll have to forgive me, I forget the right tackle for the Panthers, but they're not, you know, they're not that strong of players. So what they did is they sent a lot of extra heat on the outside. They got actually a sack from a, a nickelback blitz, I believe, or cornerback blitz and they also their defensive ends they they were pretty much all over newton all game they had i think combined six sacks on that defense so you know their their defense is really uh, it, it's it's a building unit. It's something that's that's going to be better as the games go on, I believe, because they have really good leadership and they have uh, you know solid enough players that fit the system. They play a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of basic coverage is what they do, and they just they just try to you know force the offense to make mistake and to sort of you know find their way through a game. They're not going to do anything overly complicated or try to outcoach themselves. So personally I think that's you know the way to run a defense, something simple and effective. And we'll see how the Broncos fare against these guys. Yeah, so do we think that the defensive calls of having kind of a simple one gap coverage is an issue with being a new coaching staff or is do you think it's going to be something more of it's going to grow each week? as they continue to get to know the players better and get to know how these players and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And part two of this question is, how do you think, you know, I just mentioned that we have both an amazing run game, number one in the league, and a great passing game as Dallas found out the hard way. How do you think that the Bills defense is going to be able to recover from that after looking at what we've done to both the Chargers and the Cowboys? Well, I think to answer the first part of your question, no, I don't think it's something that's going to really evolve throughout the year. It's going to get more complex because if we're looking at some of the other top units in the league, Seattle, Atlanta's defense, which is an up and coming defense, these guys run a very basic 43 cover three base sort of defense. And it doesn't change a whole lot. Like I know Seattle's defense, they, you know, I'm sure their playbook is very simple. It's not that big, but they're just really, really good at playing that playbook yeah. and ex- executing those plays. So I think McDermott, this is what he did with the Panthers. He didn't do anything crazy. He didn't do anything exotic. He just made his play 
players become experts at, at a very simple defense, which at the end of the day, if you have every gap covered and every receiver covered, you know, there's not a whole lot more you really need to do if you have the athletes to support that system. So, you know, I don't think they're going to be you know, changing something that isn't necessarily broken. They've only allowed 21 points in two games, albeit it was to, you know, the Jets and the Panthers. The Panthers do have a pretty explosive offense and they limit them to three field goals, which is pretty remarkable. But nevertheless, I I don't see this defense really evolving a whole lot and I don't see McDermott or Frazier changing much for the Broncos. Like, you know, the best way to stop a strong running game is to cover every single gap and make sure your linebackers stay honest and the defensive ends stay honest in their uh, their contain as well. So, you know, if I'm these coaches, I'm just preaching discipline and I'm preaching a smart football and just one play at a time, not getting caught up in any sort of play action or, or fakes or overly complicated systems. You know, they just need to do what they do best and, and by executing that, you know, they, they can have a lot more success than we expect. Yeah. Okay. And then, so the second part of the question is how do you think with that whole plugging the holes and playing the, the base coverage, do you think that they're going to be able to out, out athlete? Cause that's pretty much what they're expecting. Having the base, you know, make sure you're doing yeah. your job. If everybody does their job, it works. And that's kind of, you know, also the Bill Belichick mentality is do your job. So they're expecting their athletes to out athlete the the guys across from them so do you think they're going to be able to do that or have much success against our Denver Broncos offense yeah you know I think defensive line is going to have a lot of success against the Broncos offensive line their defensive ends are they're solid with uh, Jerry Hughes who's been a you know a fairly good defensive end for his career and same with Shaq Lawson who's a second year guy but you know, he's kind of up and coming for that defense. Their linebackers, they lost Zach Brown last year, which was, uh, he was a stud against the run, an absolute maniac finding those running backs. So it's it's a bit of a loss. Right now they've got uh, Ramon Humber, who I believe we'll talk about in a little bit. And they have Preston Brown, you know, Lorenzo Alexander, who's playing, you know, an outside linebacker in a 43, but he had most of his success as an outside linebacker in a 34. So he's a bit out of position. Within the box, I think that, you know, the, the Bills defense is equivalent to the Broncos offense in a sense that I think they'll match up pretty well. I think they'll have some decent stops. In terms of their secondary, though, I don't know. I think the Broncos definitely have an advantage with their receivers and tight ends versus the corners of and the, the safeties of the Bills. Like they lost Stephon Gilmore and they lost well, they traded away Ronald Darby in this right. offseason. So I think they lost their two best defensive cover guys. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's a new system, it's a new playbook and everything. And I just don't think those players were necessarily the right fit for McDermott's system. So maybe as an athlete they're not, you know, the the Bills defense isn't as good as they were last year. But in terms of system, I think they're a lot better, you know, as a whole unit. So, you know, I, I still see a little bit of advantage Broncos here for the for the Broncos offense, but at the same time, you know, any given Sunday, we don't know what's going to happen. I think the Bills right. are a little bit underrated in, on their defensive side of the ball. So I think they'll be able to match up well enough to, to, to hold their ground, but not quite well enough yet to, uh, to be winning a whole lot of games, especially with right. a team like the Broncos and their run game and all that. And and we also have to remember, yeah, they're one and one, but they lost a to a Panthers team last week, which only scored nine points total, all field yeah. goals. There was no touchdowns in the entire game, so yeah. that defense isn't isn't one to kind of gawk at. I mean, they definitely have a really good defensive front because the the Correct. Panthers aren't. I mean, they're they're coming off of going to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago too, mm-hmm. right? So they they're definitely not a team to to take lightly, and especially watching the Bills shut them down to only field goals and nine points against an explosive Cam Newton and his squad is is kind of interesting. So. 
Very. Yeah, and it's you know they weren't um, they weren't long field goals either. Like it's thirty four yards, twenty eight yards, and a twenty yarder. So I mean, like it shows that the Panthers marched down the field. They got close to the red zone there, and it just they could never finish it. So I think the Bills might have quite a bit of success with the red zone. But again, you know, I, I don't know. I think the Broncos are a little bit more disciplined and a little bit better offense of the Panthers that rely a lot more on a, an explosiveness, which is. You can go off 40 points one week, but like go off on nine points the next because you don't have much solid system, whereas the Broncos have such a good running game. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a different situation, but nevertheless, you know, uh, this defense will be a bit tougher than we expect it to be, I think. I agree 100%. So going into that, Mike McCoy is going to have quite quite a lot on his hands, especially with that basic defense, knowing that everything's going to be close. We're going to also have to rely on that whole everybody does their job and we score for sure mentality. So... As I mentioned earlier, we do have the number one run offense in the entire league on the backs of C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles. C.J. Anderson isn't the number one back in the league, but as a unit and as an offensive rushing unit, we are the number one in the league. So that's definitely really nice. And again, the other thing that, that makes us unique this year as opposed to last year, is that we're very 50-50. Mike McCoy runs a very good, slow drive the ball, but we can explode and explode for big plays every once in a while offense, which is very refreshing to see from Bronco fans because last year was definitely not that. It was more of a methodic, slow, keep it short, and didn't really take a lot of shots downfield. So this year we definitely are. And like I said, we have... 19 more plays through two games than both of our opponents. So we're number four in the league, which means that we're controlling the ball the most of the game. We're trying to control the ball and control the clock and control the game. And that's really what it comes down to on the offensive side is if you can control the game and put up 45 points, obviously with a little bit of help from the defense, then we're definitely going to be unstoppable. We also have eight minutes and 12 seconds longer of possession time in the league, which is number three in the league. And especially against a Dallas Cowboys team who prides themselves on that's their entire entity. Their entire entity is control the ball, drive the ball, take your four downs to get a first down, and drive the ball and control the clock. So that's something this year that you're going to want to watch for. We're going to have the ball a lot more often, which also keeps our defense rested. So that's Mike McCoy's offense this year, and I think that's what we're going to see more of against the Bills. Less mistakes. Obviously, having the sack for the fumble was definitely something that wasn't planned. You know, we had it in our in their zone, so they got a quick score off of it. But if we would have been able to drive that ball, these numbers would be a lot higher. So see that against the Bills' defense. You know, we're going to take some chunks off of them, but we're not going to be afraid to take a quick shot downfield to Demarius Thomas uh, over the middle or to one of our tight ends going onto the corner route just to make sure that we keep them deep as well so that they're not all trying to stack the box. So I think that's what we're going to see from Mike McCoy against this front-heavy Bills front seven. So next up, we talked about the Bills' defense and the Broncos' offense. Let's talk a little bit about the Bills' offense and the Broncos defense so the Bills offensive coordinator is Rick Dennison what do you got on him well Rick Dennison as uh, you should know well and most of our listeners yeah, should well know well so. he was uh, the OC for the uh, Denver Broncos uh, during the time they won Super Bowl 50 so you know if we're looking at uh, sort of his track record with the Broncos we know that he runs a, a very good Gary Kubiak style of system you know it's a zone blocking uh, run offense with, you know, they use a lot of tight ends, fullback, play action. They're very, what I like to call like a linear offense, you know, not a lot of 
pitches and outs and weird exotic runs. It's very much like gap based and um, very disciplined offense, which is very effective. You know, like you know, Broncos won a Super Bowl off of back of this offense, so it's it's a good system. However. It's, you know, it's boring and it's it's sort of, it's hard to, to rely on that sort of offense to really take you over the edge to win games unless you have a solid defense. And, you know, the, the Bills only put up three points against the Panthers and they put up, I think, 21 against the Jets. But the Jets, as we all know, just don't have a very good team this year. So far on their team, uh, you know, Denison's had McCoy rush for 119 yards in two games and Tyrod Taylor is their second leading rusher with uh, 93 yards. Tyrod Taylor's only thrown for two touchdowns one interception McCoy still hasn't scored once so there's I don't know it's it's an offense that just seems to have a lot of issues getting going you know they, they just can't seem to find their 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 momentum and, and and really running through teams but you know we never really know in in this league whenever it can take off the one thing I'd like to say that Dennison does have differently than he did with the Broncos is in, is in his quarterback he did have Manning and, and Osweiler and all that during the Super Bowl year which you know Manning's not a scrub. He's he's a pretty uh, amazing quarterback, probably one of the, the greatest ever. So it's it's good to have. But with Tyrod Taylor, the one difference is that unlike Manning, Tyrod can run like an athlete, not like an old crippled man, right? So it's it's nice to to have that sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of difference maker at your quarterback. Tyrod's not any sense of the world as Michael Vick or, or sort of a Donovan McNabb or Cunningham or something like that, but he's he's still a dynamic rusher. So what that allows Dennison to do, or rather allows this offense to do, is force the, the opposing defense to, to be honest in their coverage. The, the defensive ends need to maintain, contain, and the linebackers, one of them at least has to spy on, on Tyrod. So that, you know, that, that forces the defense to to be limited in terms of the, the plays they can call and the blitzes they call and the coverages they call because, you know, this guy does have a, an added advantage. So I think Dennison's going to take advantage of this quite a bit, use Tyrod more in, in sort of a spread package where they have five receivers and allow him to, to the option to run around. And Tyrod's a really good fit for Dennison's offense too because of his run threat, but he's also a very conservative quarterback. So Dennison's able to use him and just use safe passes, quick passes, bit of a West Coast type of mentality and not try to air it out and really be explosive with the ball. So I think Dennison's a good fit for this offense where they are right now. And they got uh, Patrick DeMarco, their fullback. They got him from Atlanta, who's, uh, you know, they had a top-running team last year. He's a really good fullback. So this guy's a, a sort of under-the-radar advantage to the team. Their tight ends are, are decent as well. They don't necessarily have big-name guys there. I don't know. I think Dennison's a good fit for this offense. He has good players to work with. But we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, it's it's by no sense of the word uh, explosive or, or special, other than McCoy, who has you know natural talent. But even then, it's it's not enough necessarily to to win one game with one guy, as we saw with you know Ezekiel Elliott, who is a generational player. I'll keep saying it. I believe he is, but clearly <laughs> against the Broncos, that doesn't matter. So we'll see what Dennison can uh, can pump out here. Right. So we know that the Denver Broncos is hashtag the best defense in the league. Yeah. So we are going into, he's going into already not being able to move the ball. And now he's going against probably one of the best on stats, but if not the best defense in the league, how do you think he's going to be able to handle that? And do you think Tyrod Taylor is going to be able to thrive from that pressure? Or do you think he's going to crumble? I think Tyrod's a pretty resilient player. I mean, last year he was put through a lot of uh, unfortunate drama with the GM wanting to get rid of him, with the head coach trying to keep him. This is a big mess, but he he just maintained his attitude and he kept playing as best he can. He even took a pay cut to remain with the team and as a starting quarterback. So I think as a as a human, he's quite resilient and he's able to take on quite a bit of pressure. As an athlete, I think he, he does have a bit of an edge. 
you know, like other than uh, than Dak Prescott, who might be a little bit more athletic, the Broncos haven't seen a, a mobile quarterback really this year. So I think, right. you know, it might be new for them to see in a regular season game. But at the same time, I don't know, like this this unit is, it's one for the history books, I think. And it's going to be very tough for Tyrod to, to find holes in the coverage and to really make, make some noise here. The, the one advantage I would say he does have is that he's playing at home. And going from Denver to Buffalo is, you know, quite a long trip. It's a couple hours right. jet lag. It's it's never easy for, for a team to, to travel like that and perform really well. But at the same time, it's not like they're going to go play the Patriots or the Steelers or something like that. It's going to be a bit of an easier easier performance for them so you know I, I think advantage is is to the broncos but tyrod will uh, will probably still make a few big plays and hopefully get a couple more touchdowns on his uh, stat book yeah well he definitely needs them so that, yeah. that would definitely help but i i honestly think i think this might be our first opportunity especially not being at home like you said this is our first away game of the season so not being at home how our defense can stack up and especially we know it both against the chargers and against the cowboys we got a couple of what we like to call crowd penalty or crowd noise timeouts that you know we got a, a false start because they can't hear the count because the crowd's so loud or they had to take a timeout because they couldn't call an audible on the line time uh crowd noise because of the crowd noise mm-hmm. so we're not going to have that advantage this week I do think that, you know, Broncos country does travel really well, so I wouldn't expect, you know, the Bills to have as loud of a stadium as Denver would for anybody coming to play in Denver. However, this is our first kind of real test going against an away team. So that'll be interesting to see, especially with, you know, the dominant defense that they have. So our defense is going to be a little bit different. I think what we're going to see out of Joe Woods against Rick Dennison and Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy is going to be a different than what we saw against the Cowboys, a little bit more similar to what we saw against the Chargers as far as we're still going to be watching the run, but we're definitely not going to load the box the way that we did. And I think we're going to you're going to see a lot more of the the zone cover 2, maybe even cover 3 just, you know, to ask them to throw it deep, give them the short underneath throws that only get two or three yards, stop them on third down and get the ball back as opposed to trying to force them into third and longs. I think we can definitely, you know, let them try to get a, a few yards here and there and just keep them away from the long also the other thing the zone does is that if they send all their receivers deep that gives nowhere that still gives nowhere for Tyrod Taylor to run if he does get flustered so we still have Shaq Barrett chasing after him we still have Von Miller chasing after him and if he tries to go up the middle we're still in his zone so there's going to be someone there if he tries to go the outside there's going to be a corner or a nickel back there so having Roby or, or Simmons or someone to step up to be able to take that hit uh, and and make sure that he doesn't go anywhere as a mobile quarterback. I think that's what our game plan is going to be, and I think that's really what we're going to key on is making sure that he doesn't break off for any crazy runs or tries to you know make something of it. Because I think Von Miller and Chuck Barrett are going to keep him down to a three-second look. He's going to have enough time to look at his first receiver, maybe glance at his second receiver before he's either pressured or taking a hit. So that's definitely going to be something to watch. And I think that's what we're going to have our best defensive game. And obviously we had a great defensive game against the Dallas who ended it actually had more passing yards than we did. If you look at the stat books, but it definitely didn't seem like it in the game, but I think we're going to have our best defensive game against this struggling and rebuilding. I'd say rebuilding Buffalo offense. 
Yeah, no, I believe so. And, you know, just back to your point about the Broncos' defense, like, I could see them run a sort of cover two, sort of ignore the deeper end of the field and put more pressure towards the uh, the middle routes and the short routes because that's the yeah. kind of player Tyrod is. He won't throw the deep ball very often, but he's really going to – he's pretty efficient in the middle routes and the short routes. So I think if you're able to shut that down and force guys like Jordan Matthews and Zay Jones and Andre Holmes, Charles Clay, like, you know, these aren't explosive home run receivers that, you know, the, the Broncos yeah. I've seen with uh, – with Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams again with Des Bryant, so I think you know if they're putting any sort, if they're changing any sort of their defense, they might put more pressure uh, up in the middle in the shorter routes and just kind of let the safeties just roam deep and take care of that deep end and without much stress. But um, the the risk of yeah. that, of course, is allowing one or two maybe deep balls thrown their way. But I'm sure the Broncos are are good enough to adapt and 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 be able to detect that. So right, and one of our faith moves this year has really been in our secondary and our safeties and our and with it between Darian Stewart and Will Parks, they're so fast and so reactive. Just being able to see what when someone's coming deep to be able to react to a deep ball, I think that's what we'll do. We'll drop one safety in the back, pull up our strong safety in the box, maybe cover two, put him in the middle, uh, send our linebackers out to the side or in, into the, a little bit of the, the hook curl area, and then send our corners into the flats and just have the two guys over the top. Is And one safety is probably going to be our best bet. And Because I don't, like you said, I don't think he's going to be taking too many deep shots. And no. he, historically, he hasn't taken any deep shots. And if he does, we have the speed in Darian Stewart and Will Parks to be able to make the break and be able to take that ball away. Exactly, exactly. All right, so that is our brain games of the week. You know, we're talking a lot about Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier versus Mike McCoy, and then we have the Bills offensive coordinator, Rick Dennison versus Joe Woods. It's going to be a very fun chess match to watch for you guys that are watching the play calls and the coaching, so I hope you guys are enjoying that. And the next thing we're going to talk about here are our key players. Key players. So our key players of the week, we have a couple. We usually like to pick one on each side. So who is your key player on the the Bills defensive side? Can't really pick one just based on the, the situation this week, but I'm going to pick Jerry Hughes and Shaq Lawson, the two defensive okay. ends. I think the Broncos, you know, they lost Garrett Bowles for a couple weeks, which is, you know, a pretty right. big loss. He's been playing lights out, and Menelik Watson is, you know, still Menelik Watson. So I don't know if he's really picked up his game yet, but nevertheless, I think these are the two guys to really watch. They uh, they really played with the, with a lot of steam, very high-motor guys against the Panthers. And the Panthers defense as a whole, like I mentioned earlier, they got six sacks. So, you know, they're, they're able to really bring some pressure. But I think these two guys are going to be the players to watch against the, the inexperienced side on the left uh, left tackle of the Broncos and at the same time the, the weakness on the right tackle. So, that, that you know, I think that's really who's going to win uh, for the Bills defense in terms of players. Right, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because now on my key player side, obviously we have a lot of athletes. We have C.J. Anderson is going to be a great athlete. Uh, he's going to run the ball well. We have... Trevor Simeon's been playing really well. We have our receivers who uh, are just playing lights out right now. But I think our big, our, our one weakness, if you could point to even just the slightest weakness, is going to be at, at that tackle position, especially with Garrett Bowles being out. So having Garrett Bowles out is kind of an interesting situation for the Denver Broncos offense because we don't know who's going to be playing that left tackle position now. We, we have Donald Stevenson on the depth chart is Garrett Bowles backup at left tackle. However, in the game against Dallas, when he went out, Donald Stevenson only came in for three or four snaps, maybe to finish out the drive. And then the next drive, they put out Alan Barbary. So that's an interesting situation. When Vance Joseph was asked about 
what the reasoning was for putting Barbary, who's normally plays guard in and out with Max Garcia at left guard in at left tackle, who has played left tackle in his career. This isn't his first time. He played a lot in us for preseason because we thought that at first it was between him and Bowles for left tackle position. Having him going out to left left tackle and his reasoning was because we were up, we were going to run the ball and having a guard, having a big guard and having Alan Barbary, who's a very good run blocker out at left tackle just made sense at the time. So that also brings up a big question mark at who's going to be replacing Bowles. Is it going to be a left tackle by committee situation where it's going to be a switch out of Barbary and Stevenson and Garcia, who's probably just going to be in and out at guard? Or is it going to be one guy, we're going to stick with Stevenson, put him in there and just pray for the best and see what happens. But let's also remember, Stevenson's our only other tackle. So if anything happens to Manalik Watson or Stevenson, we're going to have to go to Barbary. And then we're going to have to start looking other places. Billy Turner only plays guard. He doesn't play too much of the tackle position. So that's going to be something that we need to watch. And that's something that I'm going to be watching the news for for the rest of the week. And first drive of the of the offense, that's the first thing I'm going to be looking at is to see who's going to be out there. And that really also tells us whether or not we're going to be passing or running more often. I think, um, you know, it's going to force the Broncos to uh, keep maybe a running back within the box and keep a tight end within the box. So it might limit them a bit to their play calling because they're going to need that help on the edge. Um, uh-huh. I noticed that's what the Panthers did quite a bit. Once they saw the pressure was coming, they just, you know, they put help on the edge and and you know, I might that's 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 tough for an offensive coordinator to be limited like that because like it or not, you have one less player in your passing game you can pass through. Yeah. You have you know, your whole blocking scheme now has to be adjusted to a certain extent. So it's it's yeah. not an easy thing to do. By the same time, how necessary is it gonna be? You know, who knows? And like Cam Newton is a much slower passer than Simeon is. You know, Newton's more of the tall, heavy guy who's gonna really throw with a lot of power. Simeon I've seen him throw a bit quicker, quicker release, shorter routes, more decisive, a little bit more accurate than Newton as well. So they might not need to add that extra blocking. Maybe Simeon's just gonna be a quick release right. guy during the game and it'll uh, it'll alleviate some of that pressure. But again, you know, we'll have to see how they can handle that pressure. Right. And I think at the beginning, I don't think they're going to ask, they're going to ask the running back or tight end to stay in for the help. I think we're just going to try those quick throws, but you're right. I think if we do keep a running back staying back, that takes away your check down. Or if we keep a tight end back there, that takes away your third or maybe even second read in your, in your route tree. So it definitely does take away a lot from an offensive coordinator position, but that's going to be something that's going to be decided mid-game. I don't think they're going to game plan for that. I think they're going to have an idea of what they'd call, but I think for now they're just going to keep it the way it is and just hopefully that Simeon can get the ball off before anything happens to him. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. So on the offensive side of the ball for the Buffalo Bills, we know that there's not huge names out there, but who do you got for the offensive side of the ball for key players? Well, I think the one person you really have to I mean I've talked a lot about Tyrod Taylor so far so I want to regurgitate what I said there but LaShawn McCoy he's still like a top five running back in the NFL like last year he was uh, in terms of stat and he's top five and they had that just just terrible team with the Bills it was very it's almost embarrassing to watch and I think uh, he's still a really really dynamic athlete he's getting a bit older he's 29 now so he's coming you know probably close to the end of his career but nevertheless he's he's dangerous if you don't key in on this guy he's gonna run you over so I think He's going to be somebody that really could be a difference maker in the game. Now, we again, Zeke, he only had eight yards against this defense. You know, McCoy may, in fact, only have around the same thing, right? They might be forced to pass a lot. But same time, when I, the difference between McCoy and, uh, and Zeke is that McCoy is a really good pass catcher. You can line him up as a wide receiver, a slot, and he can be very effective in the passing game. So he's, yeah. um, he's more dynamic. He's hard to really defend against. And to complement McCoy, I also want to talk about the offense. Uh, the offensive 
offensive line for the Bills. They're not a uh, you know a top five unit necessarily, but their left side's really strong with Cordy Glenn, Richie Incognito, and Eric Woods. These guys are maulers. Like they're really good run blockers. They're big bodies and they're relentless too. Like they never really slow down during a game. So you know I I'm sure it's going to be you know Cordy Glenn versus Von Miller and, and Richie Incognito versus whoever's playing end. I know Crick has has been hurt. Um, and then Eric Woods, he's going to be, you know, up against that nose tackler inside linebacker. So it's going to be, they're going to have a challenging day, but nevertheless, they're really good. So watch the offense run to the left a bit. Watch them really uh, use McCoy sort of in the open field on swing passes, on some uh, some quick outs, some slants, some things like that to yeah. to get his athleticism out and and make the Broncos key in on him. But that's pretty much it for the offense. The receivers, you know, they they traded away Sammy Watkins and they got Jordan Matthews, who might be a better system fit but is not necessarily a better athlete they got zay jones as a rookie but he's only got i think three catches for 39 yards this year in two games so it's not not really anything to to you know to look out for and same with charles clay he's got seven catches for 76 yards which you know is is decent enough but it's i don't know it's not really a dynamic uh, sort of tight end to really have to key in on so i you know mccoy is really that one guy you're gonna have to watch on that offense that's about it so on the defensive side for the Denver Broncos, I think the, one of the couple key players that you really need to watch out for is, is Shaq Barrett, who stepped in at the very beginning of the season for an injured Shane Ray, who was supposed to be taking over for DeMarcus Ware's position. And, you know, DeMarcus Ware is, is one of those athletes that is he's irreplaceable. You know, he is lights out no matter where he goes, and it's really going to be hard to replace him. And, Sha- and Shane Ray has been sitting under him and Von Miller and learning their craft. And we were really excited for him this season. And he got injured and Shaq Barrett stepped in. There was a lot of question marks on whether or not Shaq Barrett was going to do well. Well, our questions through two weeks have been answered. Shaq Barrett is actually in the top five. He's actually number four for the outside linebackers in a 3-4 system. The, the top three are all AFC West in Justin Houston, Khalil Mack, and Von Miller. And we know Khalil Mack jumps back and forth from the end to the to the linebacker position depending on what they play. But still, all guys, he's in... He's in the, a list of guys that are they're probably going to be all-time greats probably going to the hall of fame in the future and they're just guys that are dominant on the end so he's actually playing very well he's got a couple sacks through two weeks and it's it's very nice to see so definitely shout out to him for playing so well in the last few weeks and he's going to be a key player again this week especially if the if the buffalo bills have to keep somebody in to if they have to keep somebody in to help block, they're going to try to help Bond Miller. That's obviously going to be your, your first go key too. So if they're going to keep the running back or a tight end to block, they're definitely going to try to double team Von Miller, which leaves Shaq Barrett one-on-one on the outside with the other tackle. So that's going to be interesting to watch. The other key player I want to talk about just real quick is Darian Stewart and Justin Simmons have a fantastic chemistry in the backfield. And if, if we do bring Justin Simmons down to stack the box, it gives Darian Stewart the the freedom to roam around at free safety and it keeps Justin Simmons in the backfield. If they do need to run, he needs to shoot the gap. So those are two players. And I think I said it last week too. Those are two players that are key to our no fly zone, but also key to our run defense. And that's something that really matters. So that is our key players to watch out for, for this week. So make sure you guys keep an eye on those players. Next up, we're going to talk about our one-on-ones. One-on-one. Our one-on-ones, we get to talk about what matchups we think, whether it's one player versus one player, one player versus a group of players that's kind of a by-committee situation, and see which one of those are going to be the most fun to watch and which one is going to probably be the difference maker in this game. So 
Matt, what is your one-on-one matchup, your first one-on-one matchup to look out for for this game? Again, it's... I'm sorry, listeners. I'm really repeating myself today. There's not a whole lot to talk about. (laughs) The Bills. I'm sorry, Bills fans, but, you know, what'd you expect? I think my first one-on-one matchup is really going to be whoever lines up as the right end versus this backup left tackle. I think Sean McDermott's a very smart defensive-minded coach, and Leslie Frazier, he's, you know, he knows what he's doing, too, so he's going to find the right matchup there. I think it's going to be a big point of pressure for the Bills' defense. So I'd say that's probably my, my... my top one-on-one in terms of defensive uh, matchup. Offensively, again, you know, we can talk about McCoy all we want, but I think somebody will really look out for is Tyrod Taylor versus Brandon Marshall. You know, one linebacker is going to have to stay in the box to at least spy on him because Tyrod can take off. So it's going right. to force their, their linebackers to be a lot more disciplined, to, to know their rules, to know, to know what to look for, their keys and all that. And if yeah. they, they don't do that, I think Tyrod's a very smart player. He's going to know when to break off for a run. He is the number two rush on that team, not by a huge margin, but nevertheless, he's a, he's a dangerous threat. So I think those are my two one-on-ones. I mean, I've talked enough about them during the podcast here, so uh, <laughs> so you know quite a bit about these players, but that's really who to look out for on the Bills side. Okay. I want to mention, the first one I want to mention is our fantastic runner in C.J. Anderson versus Raymond Humber, who is the leading tackler for the Buffalo Bills. It's a name that nobody really knows right now. And at least, you know, non-Bills fans definitely don't recognize that name anywhere. But he is a leading tackler, and he is he's kept a lot of these running backs in check. You know, they especially against the Panthers, they only let him score nine points all through field goals. So he's definitely keeping a good name for himself and a good name for that defense. So C.J. Anderson's going to have to figure out a way to get past that line and get into the second level, third level, and get into the uh, open field. And I think that's going to be the big one to watch is C.J. Anderson. Also, don't be surprised to see all of our running backs in, in order this week. They're talking about Booker coming back as well. So you're going to see him along with Charles, along with C.J. Anderson. And if the game starts getting to a point where we can start doing it, we can start handing it off to the rookie in Henderson as well, who had an amazing preseason. We're really excited to see him. I think he right now is the most underrated rookie on our team. We're not really using him to our advantage. And I think we will eventually. We just have a very deep running back core. So ultimately, I'm sure we're going to figure out a way to get him worked out into the offense. But expect that to be a big one our run game is going to be on display this week against a a tough front seven in the buffalo bills and that's definitely something that we should watch for in our one-on-ones that is our one-on-ones for this week make sure you guys watch out for those and let us know if we missed anything rain man this week so next up we have rain man this week rain man this week we're going to talk about what we think the score is going to be you know first week Unfortunately, Matt predicted the exact score of the game last week. Fortunately for both of us, neither one of us could even come close to what that final score was. And thank God, because a lot of people had people, you know, the Cowboys winning. We definitely had it as a much closer game. So let's go ahead and figure out what our score is for this week against the Buffalo Bills. What you got? God, you know what? I think I really need to redeem myself this week. I need I need to win here. I really do. You know, it's that's going to be hard to say. The Bills have scored 21 points. They've allowed 12. Broncos have scored, what, like 60-odd points, and they've allowed around like 30-some points. So right. I'd probably have to go and say that this game is going to be probably like a 17-6 uh, to six game for the Broncos. 
Wow, That's yeah, you calling. think it's going to stay with the low scoring, huh? Yeah, I think I think the Bills' defense is again they're they're a lot stronger than the Cowboys' defense are. The Cowboys' defense clearly are you know almost amateurish it seems, but <laughs> the Bills you know they're they're a tight unit. They 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 have good coaching, very simple system, and uh, they won't be as easy to play against. I don't think, especially at home. Bills fans, I mean, they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. They keep losing, but man, they keep showing up and they keep giving a great atmosphere. <laughs> they're relentless. So I you know I think the the Bills gonna defense be pretty solid they're going to limit the the broncos traveling team here i think you know probably cj anderson's going to have one touchdown and probably a big bomb to demarius thomas or emmanuel sanders something like that and then the bills i just i don't see them really putting up a lot of points i think six points is about as far as they can go against this unit and that's you know i i'm i'm kind of being generous here too yeah i think i'm not going to be generous i think the final score is going to be 28 to 6 I think is going to be the final score for the Broncos and I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to get a couple quick scores off the bat and then we're just going to try to control the clock for the rest of the game quick dunks dinks and dunks off to the ends maybe a couple of running back screens to CJ or Jamal Charles and try to just run the ball down their throat to finish out the game knowing that we're up by a couple scores we'll get a few scores in there but our defense isn't going to let up more than six points maybe one big play here and there but I don't think they're going to get into the end zone I think it's just going to be if they do get into field goal position, you know, it'll be on a couple big plays that, or maybe a turnover on our part, which we're really going to need to try to, we have two per game now, so we really need to try to slow those down as well. So 28 to 6, I think, is my final score. All right, not bad, not bad. I don't know. I'm, hey, just watch out. I'm telling you, Bills, they shut down Panthers in the in the red zone here. You know, don't right. uh, count out that defense. Well, that's that's true. I'm not counting out the defense. I mean, we scored up 42 against the Dallas Cowboys, so... <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they're like a high school unit. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so that's it for our Rain Man this week. That's our score prediction. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Famous last words. So next up is our famous last words. Because I decided that I was going to call the defense to a T and our defense dominated the Dallas Cowboys, I think I'm going to get the famous last words here. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) All right, so here are my famous last words. This is going to be an interesting game for the Denver Broncos and for the Denver Bronco fan base. This is our first away game in our entire first four games this season going into the bye week. This is also a statement game. Going into the next game 3-0 against a very tough Oakland Raiders, a top five Oakland Raiders, and probably one of the favorites to win the AFC, not just the AFC West. So this is going to be a statement game for us against the Buffalo Bills. Another thing is, as we are discussing today, this is a very tough defense and it's not one to be overlooked. So if we can continue having offense success against a very tough and very known tough defense, then that's definitely going to show us that we're, we have the ability to call ourselves Super Bowl contenders. Two weeks into the, into the season, there's going to be a lot of kinks to work out. Obviously, we have a couple turnover issues that we need to fix. But it's better to work those kinks out being 2-0 as opposed to being 0-2 or 1-1. So going into this game on an away game, see how Trevor Simeon steps up in an away game. See how some of our guys on defense step up when they don't have the crowd noise behind them. And we'll see how we end up coming out of this. And if we do come out of this on top and we do come out of this dominant, then it definitely shows that we we have the ability to be Super Bowl contenders going into that very infamous week three matchup against the Oakland Raiders. So that's my last words. Matt, thank you so much for joining us again. Yeah, thank you. It's always nice to have your 
your insight and your research on the other teams. I'm sorry that you got the Buffalo Bills today, but uh, oh, you know, that's kind of how the clock uh, turns. I can't get a, a gift every week. I'm excited for next week covering the Raiders. I think that'll be pretty cool. I really like that team. So, you know, I think it's the one thing too uh, worth mentioning to our listeners here. I'm I'm currently located in Niagara Falls in Canada, and Jared, you're down in uh, Florida still, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so we're, uh, I don't know, it's pretty cool to have some sort of international mix on this podcast. It's been, uh, oh, yeah. thank God for technology, it's been working pretty well. Yeah, it's definitely nice, especially with the Bills. I mean, the Bills are a stone's throw away from you at this Down point. Down the road, yeah. I might yeah. might hear the boos. I'm, I'm really going <laughs> to listen hard, and I might hear them. That's if you listen close enough, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, thank you so much again. I uh, definitely always appreciate your insight, and I hope you guys, you listeners at home, enjoyed it. Please, if you have a chance, like or rate our podcast and leave a comment for us. Let us know how we're doing. You know, we're, we really appreciate your guys' feedback, so please give us as much feedback as possible. We really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys join us next week. Well, for myself and Matt, we'll see you guys next week. Take have care, a good one. Thank you. Thanks, Jared.